Welcome to the Theology in Practice podcast, a podcast that takes theology and applies it to the everyday life. I'm your host, Anthony Kidd, and I want to thank you for joining me in this week's discussion. Welcome back. We are continuing in our study of John, as this week we look at the testimony of John the Baptist as he declares uh, Jesus Christ to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The day after the religious leaders question John the Baptist about his ministry, he sees Jesus among a crowd and declares, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This declaration is filled with significance. John the writer, not John the Baptist, John the writer, is assuming a very rich knowledge of the Old Testament sacrificial system and the Passover. The word that John uses for the lamb is amnos. This word is only used four times in the New Testament, but is used 82 times in the Old Testament. These 82 references are direct references to the substitutionary sacrificial lambs that were offered in the Old Testament sacrificial system. There are several examples that can be noted from the Old Testament about the sacrificial lamb. Let's start with Exodus 12. In Exodus 12, the lamb that was to be offered during the Passover is detailed out. These rules regarding how a lamb was to be chosen are given specifically for Israel to follow. In Leviticus, a more formal process was given, and the purpose of the sacrifice was to make the people right with God. In Leviticus 17.11, we read that God is also the one who provides the lamb for the altar. In this scenario, God is the one who is instituting the practice and also providing the sacrifice for the people. The writer of Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's Hebrews 9.22. Another example we can turn to is Genesis 22. There we learn of Abraham taking his only son Isaac up to be sacrificed as commanded by God. Isaac says... Behold, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham replied to Isaac, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. That's Genesis 22, verses 7 and 8. Yet what happens in that story? God does not provide a lamb. He provided a ram in its place. And for hundreds of years, Isaac's question and Abraham's promise lingered in the minds of Israel until one day John the Baptist declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. From these examples, we can make four statements about the meaning of the Lamb of God. Number one, Jesus is our Passover Lamb. We see that in Exodus 12. Number two, Jesus is our substitutionary sacrifice. We see that in Genesis 22. Number three, Jesus is our suffering servant. That's from Isaiah 53. And then number four, Jesus is our hope of reconciliation back to God. That's from 1 Peter 2, 24. Now let's look at three functions of a lamb. A lamb was a sacrifice. Remember that Hebrews tells us that for the forgiveness of sins, blood must be shed. In the Old Testament sacrificial system, a lamb was sacrificed every morning and every evening in the temple. This was a constant reminder to the people that their sins required a sacrifice. Much like God provided the system and the lamb in the Old Testament, he also provided the final lamb who would pay the penalty for sin once and for all. That's 1 Peter 3.18. Next, we see the lamb as a substitute. When the religious leaders sent a group to question John the Baptist, they were looking for a great prophet or a great ruler. 
The problem was that they completely missed John the Baptist's message. They were looking for someone of great importance in the eyes of the world. They wanted a conquering king, not a gentle lamb. They wanted a Messiah who would liberate them from their bondage to the Romans. They couldn't see that what they really needed was liberation from their bondage to their own sin. God provided a lamb that was the liberation that they needed, not the liberation that they wanted. Finally, we see a lamb as satisfaction. Again, 1 Peter 3.18 tells us, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive in the Spirit. Also, Romans 5.6-9 says that for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. In these two verses, we see that the sacrifice of Christ as our substitute is the full satisfaction for sin. This is why Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What does it mean that Jesus takes away the sin of the world? Remember, John is not trying to tell a complete story like the Synoptic Gospels. John is giving us the information needed to point to Christ and his role as Messiah. Salvation is not based on your ethnicity or your religious affiliation, but rather is to be found by believing in the person and work of Christ. John the Evangelist is noting that John the Baptist is declaring that Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice is sufficient for all who believe. The world in this instance does not mean every person in the world, but that Christ's atoning sacrifice is complete and sufficient for all who believe in his name. You'll remember that from 20 verse 31. John is saying the same thing as Jesus says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then in verse 18 he says again, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What John is showing us is that Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice is sufficient to take away the reproach, condemnation, and debt of our sin. This is what leads John the Baptist to repeatedly declare that Jesus is greater in rank, in importance, and in authority. That's from John 1.15 and 1.30. John was born six months before Christ and had all of the privilege that came with an earlier birth. Yet John continually elevates Christ Jesus as preeminent and supreme. We see this in Colossians 1.15 and Hebrews 1 as well. When we think about the substitutionary sacrifice that was the total satisfaction for sin, we need to realize the depth of that sacrifice. Bruce Milne sums up this atoning sacrifice well when he writes, We are utterly unable to provide for our own atonement. It is a gift. We note, too, the significance of it. The lamb will take away sin. In this connection, the imagery of the scapegoat is particularly evocative. The priest laid his hands on the head of the hapless victim, transferring the guilt of the people to the animal. And the creature was released into the wilderness to proclaim the removal of guilt. 
Few aspects of the gospel need greater or more frequent reaffirmation than this one. How many people struggle for survival beneath the crushing burdens of guilt? But Christ, the Lamb of God, really has borne it all for us. He says to us today, son or daughter, your sins are forgiven. I want to thank you for joining me for Theology in Practice. Our prayer is that God's Word would penetrate into your heart and continue you on your journey of sanctification as you seek to be more like Christ. 